What's happening out there, crew? Welcome to another Clover Tack podcast. Thank you for joining us. If you're out there live, I'm sure as we move along here over the next few minutes, more will jump in live. If you're out there in the uh, replay world, specifically the audio podcast replay world, well, welcome as well. Thanks for uh, joining us. And remember, if you are in replay, uh, to catch these live, we promote them, we put them on the community tab, we schedule everything out. So uh, you should be aware, and if you are live, uh, you can certainly throw those uh, comments and questions and other things out there. If you do have a question for our guest uh, in any particular show, uh, you can tag myself in that comment. Use the at symbol CloverTac, all one word, the at symbol CloverTac, or you can super chat. Uh, speaking of that, special uh, shout out and thank you, of course, to all the Patreon patrons, the YouTube channel members. Those that do use the super chat options during uh, these live podcasts, as well as those that shop clovertack.com slash shop. So, yeah, November the um, 18th, got uh, Thanksgiving right around the corner, Black Friday right around the corner, Cyber Monday right around the corner. Uh, a lot of uh, cool things going on out there, a lot of special deals I'm seeing already. Uh, hopefully, we'll be able to hit on some of those through our social media and uh, email newsletter uh, and other things between now and then. I do want to mention the poll out there as well. Uh, by all means, jump out there, participate in that poll. We will check on that poll as the, the podcast progresses here. Uh, but the question in that poll is, what do you think uh, the NSSF, just who we're going to talk to today, is best known for. Uh, right now, SHOT Show leading, not really a surprise there. SHOT Show leading at 75% of that poll uh, with uh, the remaining 25% firearm industry support. Third option is uh, Second Amendment. Uh, and then finally, Other. Uh, and if you do use the Other option, feel free to leave a comment. Uh, so, yeah, with that said, let's uh, jump into this. I don't like to drag it out too long gonna bring in joe from the nssf and uh thank you for joining us today joe appreciate it i know you are a busy guy and uh, it means a lot to have you on the show well thanks very much chris for having me on today and giving us a chance to chat with you so appreciate it well i want to kick this off uh for people that are not familiar with who you are what you do the role you play with nssf uh give us a little bit of uh backstory well, I'm the president and CEO of the National Shooting Sports Foundation, uh, and we are, of course, the trade association for the firearm and ammunition industry. Uh, I took over this job uh, as president in 2018 and uh, CEO in 2020. So it's been an exciting uh, few years, to be sure. And day-to-day -day operations, I'm guessing, pretty hectic with all the different moving parts of NSSF, right? Yeah, there are a lot of moving parts here. Yeah, we, we talk about the SHOT Show, and I know that's what most people think of when they think of NSSF, perhaps. But our, our marketing communications, our government relations, uh, legislative litigation, we have any number of different things moving at any given time. So yeah, there's a lot going on here. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, let's jump. I guess let's jump into SHOT Show because that's definitely on everybody's mind, not too terribly far away. Um and I want to I want to start this out with you, Joe, with a question. As far as Shot Show, this it's one of the most exciting weeks uh, for you know content creators. I'm sure it's probably that way for industry folks, for for dealers, for whatever. Um, what is your favorite thing about Shot Show Week? Do you have a favorite thing? It's going to sound crazy. Uh, I've been to I think 22 or 23 Shot Shows in my career, and for me, the most exciting thing is the night before the show opens. There are tow motors and pallets and junk everywhere uh, in the aisles and all over the place. And then the opening five minutes of the show, when you first walk in on that uh, Tuesday morning and you look at everything, it's like the Emerald City or, you know, like you've made a trip to Oz and everything is clean and shiny and exciting. And I just love that, that juxtaposition between the before and after when that show finally opens. So I, I always loved uh, seeing that. I could, you know, I can only imagine. I've never seen the the behind the scenes with that, uh, and I can only imagine the the rat race, the craziness that goes on to get things set up. How many hours would you say that it takes to get all of that set up and ready to go? People start moving in a couple of days before the show actually opens because some of the crates are being staged and then moved into position by the folks in Las Vegas, the material handlers, and so on. 
and it is a it's a question of days. I usually get there on Saturday before the show opens, and already there are things in place for the show. So all day Saturday, all day Sunday, all day Monday, uh, and then by Monday evening, you can see they're starting to move away the boxes and crates and the wrapping materials and all that. And uh, and that way, by eight o'clock on uh, on Tuesday morning, the show is ready to roll. And it's quite and yeah, it's it's quite an amazing thing to see what people can do in a relatively short period of time to fill up. You know, in the case of our last show, shot show was about seven hundred thousand square feet. In the wow. case of the coming shot show, it'll be over eight hundred thousand square feet. But all of those things, crates, guns, you name it, all the stuff that goes into demonstrating at a shot show comes in packages and boxes and crates and uh, it's really quite a thing to see. Well, it's something I'm assuming that that stuff has to be stored during the show, right? To be able exactly. to send that stuff back once the show's over. So it's exactly right. Uh, they have a huge facility to hold the crates. And then on Friday, late Friday afternoon, they move them all back in so people can start packing up their boots and heading home. So it's right. like, it's quite a production. Yeah. It's, it sounds like a logistical miracle would be uh, my phrase for that. Um, my favorite part, this is going to sound weird. My favorite part of SHOT Show is the cereal in the media room. Are, are we having that in 2022? I've got to ask. Are we going to have that? As far as I know, we will have cereal in the media room. <laughs> I'm not in charge I of cereal. Not... I have to admit, I'm not in charge of cereal. <laughs> right. but... I understand. So I don't, I don't, get, to, uh, I don't get to eat cereal. Uh, all year long, and so didn't have it in 2021, and so I'm looking forward to cereal every morning during Shot Show. That's uh, that's my biggest that's my biggest thing. Okay. Uh, you you talked a little bit about uh, about the square footage, so roughly a hundred more square foot in 2022. Yeah, we've opened up uh, the new Caesars Forum with about 130,000 additional square feet, uh, and so we're we're gonna break out at just over 800,000 square feet. And the previous largest shot show, which I think was 2008, was 714,000 square feet, and that included some outdoor tents uh, to hold exhibitors. But in terms of under one roof, under basically now two roofs, indoors, it's gonna be just over 800,000 square feet uh, for the 2022 shot show. Now we've got uh, Ghost Tactical out there, fellow creator. He says, how does uh, he anticipate the addition of Caesars being this year, which kind of you just hit on, is obviously going to expand it. Said, would it help or hurt foot traffic? So what are your thoughts on uh, that, expanding the floor space? I think it's going to help traffic because there are times at the SHOT Show, and you know you, you've been there. I've been to, like I said, a bunch of them. But it, there are times when it gets very congested at the show floor. And, and we have now, uh, the folks in Vegas have constructed a footbridge so from the Caesars, um, the main Caesars exhibit hall to the new, I'm, I'm sorry, from the Sands exhibit hall to the new Caesars uh, area, it's less than one minute walk across this footbridge. And I think it's going to ease traffic in a lot of ways, number one. But number two, I think for the folks that are exhibiting in Caesars, they're going to get a lot of traffic because it's new and the mm -hmm. facility is gorgeous. Uh, we were over there when they were still under construction. Uh, we got to see some of the, the, the large, I think it's the largest columnist ballroom i think in the world it's some it's amazing facility and so uh, we're very excited to see that and i think our exhibitors are going to really benefit from spreading things out a little bit and getting a lot of traffic just from curiosity uh, from folks wanting to see the new facility mm -hmm. now having the additional square footage uh and, and spreading things out uh does that extend to the aisles is there more going to be more space between the booths and down the aisles uh, as well yeah, what we did last year with the with the COVID, uh, we decided that we wanted to make sure we had at least ten foot wide aisles all over the show floor, which is which has not happened in the past. And we also wanted to eliminate, to the extent we possibly could, any dead ends. We wanted to make sure that the flow of traffic was conducive to social distancing. Uh, and so we relayed out the entire show floor uh, in tw earlier this year, actually. Uh, and we we don't do that very often. It's been several years that we did it last. But we felt to be proactive in terms of trying to make the safest environment for our attendees as we possibly could. We wanted to make sure 10 foot aisles, no dead ends. Um, so so we, it was a, it was, again, a huge project, a huge undertaking for everybody, including our exhibitors, who are our big partners, of course, in this whole process. But it's really important that we, we made sure we had, you know, good, uh, defensible, safe um, uh, Occ occupancy or place for our people to, to be able to walk uh, up and down the aisles. 
Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, pandemic-related stuff aside, you know, more room to walk and move back and forth and move around, especially from a media perspective when you've got folks that, you know, you do have backpacks and gear and cameras and other things. Um, some of those nooks and crannies and corners in previous shows uh, could be could be a little bit difficult to navigate. So yeah. that's definitely going to be going to be neat to see. Now, you had uh, everybody knows uh, about the uh, the whole SIG thing. I'll bring it up here. We had Fiend Dog because uh, I did actually have something related to this. He says, "How did the loss of uh, the exhibitor SIG impact the show?" Uh, and I know we've talked about that, of course, privately. Um, you've got tons and tons of uh, exhibitors, uh, obviously. So if you want to hit on the SIG thing, you can. Uh, but I know you've got a lot of big names, a lot of big names that are 100% committed, all in, as your as your marketing this year right. says, that are all in. Um, what is the exhibitor count this year compared to, to other years? Has that grown as well with the addition of Caesars? Yeah, it has, actually. We're, we're going to be just over 2,500 exhibitors. Um, and, uh, and again, we're very, very excited. We even, because, because we have the Caesars expansion, there are a number of companies that have been on the wait list for many years for the SHOT Show. And we're actually able now to accommodate, not all, there's still, we still have some constraints in terms of space, believe it or not, but we're going to be able to accommodate most uh, of, the, of the exhibitors that want to be part of SHOT Show. We have a new uh, program called SHOT Extra, which will be at the Caesars uh, Forum. And that will include uh, this, you know, new companies that are new to exhibiting at SHOT Show that want a place, that want to be able to talk to the media and get their new products uh, exhibited and shown to the world. And so uh, we have a lot of new first-time exhibitors. We're really excited about that. We have an, an entire what we call supplier showcase, uh, which is an expansion of what we had started in 2017. And we're going to have over 500 suppliers to the industry. Wow. And this will include everyone from people that do plating on gun, on gun parts to law firms, to accounting firms, to um, you name it, pin screws. If they supply parts of the industry, uh, we've got over 500 of them exhibiting now at the SHOT Show. So that I know when I was at Mossberg, we would, we would have our engineers go and look for new suppliers, new sure. partners to work with. And, it, and it's a very successful and very exciting part of the show that, you know, maybe the media isn't as, you know, doesn't really appreciate as much as the, as the member companies do. But again, it's a business show and we're here for our members and to allow them to have time to look at technical matters or other potential suppliers and partners is a really good thing, I think. Yeah, no, absolutely. Now you talk about uh, supplier showcase, which is uh, kind of in, di- uh, in addition to the show floor. But, you know, for those that don't know, there's a lot of moving parts and aspects to to shot show. You've got the law enforcement side, the military side. Uh, you've got the dungeon. You've got the main floor. You've got all of these different things going on. Two things I wanted to hit on before we uh, move to a question about the dungeon. Uh, Did from you Ghost say Action dungeon? The dungeon <laughs> down, mean, downstairs. Level one. Level one. We Everybody pretty much calls it the dungeon uh, that I talk to. But um, the, two things. Number one is uh, the shot show next which is typically kind of in the hallway next to the media room. And then uh, what is the Wednesday one uh, pop-up review? Yes. So are those still happening? And if they are, is it still happening the same way or is that changing? It's slightly changing. Uh, we're going to be putting a lot of our effort into the, into the shot show extra, but there's still going to be some elements of pop-up that you'll recognize. Um, and, and next that you certainly will recognize. Of course, we have the new product section, uh, and we're very excited about that. So people can exhibit some of the newest uh, technology in the industry. But again, we're, we're trying to reconfigure everything. We've relayed out everything to make sure that there's a lot of space for people to move about, you know, with proper social distancing. Uh, again, we're being proactive. I can tell you that Las Vegas has not given us a mandate on that issue, but we're doing it proactively because we think it's the right thing to do and we have the space to do it. Um, so we're very, you know, again, we're, we're trying to do the right thing for everybody, including our exhibitors. And we're, I think we're going to be, I think everyone's going to be very pleased when they see the new, the new show layout. I know our folks spent an awful lot of time working on that uh, for the past 12 months. And uh, I, I can't wait to, for people to see it. Right. Well, uh, Ghost Tactical out there who, who brought up the dungeon. Like I said, that's our nickname for the, for the uh, for first floor, for the bottom floor. But he says, uh, will it still have the same vibe or has a lot of those vendors moved to Caesars? So that's a good with the additional floor space. 
Are you seeing folks that have had maybe less desirable spaces in the past upgrading, moving on up, so to speak? Believe it or not, um, there is a lot of there are a lot of folks that actually like their space on level one. And we've asked them if they wanted to move. Everyone had the opportunity based on their priority points to move. And a lot of people said, no, we're we're, we're very comfortable here. We like where we are. And people know where to find us, which is also a very important element because you got, you know, 12 or 13 miles of aisles to walk around. It's kind of nice when people know generally where to find you. So I think there's a lot of that. So I I don't think you're going to see as much movement as you might expect. Um, But again, we were able to accommodate a lot more, a lot more booths, a lot bigger booths by having this expansion. And uh, we're very excited about it. There, you know, and, and to, to Ghost Tactical, to his point about the vibe, you know, I find just the energy and everything downstairs seems to be, um, I mean, it's electric is, is about all you can say with it. It's a lot of smaller companies, usually uh, those companies that are really working hard and hustling, trying to get the word out on their, their business and their products and what's going on. Um, and, and I definitely love the feel of, uh, of that first floor um, for sure. Uh, we've yep. got uh ghost out there being funny. I know this is a point of contention for a lot of people. He says, will the NSSF ever ban the carts? So <laughs> I think the carts are banned this year. I don't want you to quote me on it because I'd have to, I'd have to confirm that, but I think that there are, there will be no carts this year. Wow. Okay. And uh, was that just due to the logistics and the new layout or complaints received or I think it's all of the above. Uh, right. There were certainly a number of complaints, people tripping on the carts, people getting their ankles crushed by the carts. Um, and and it, it, does, it does tend to create more congestion than mm-hmm. we would like at the show. Now, obviously, we don't want to, we're not trying to disenfranchise any of our attendees or buyers or exhibitors or anything like that. But <laughs> right. so much of the world is now electronic. Correct. You can, you can go to a booth and you can click on a, on a QR code and have all the materials downloaded to your email so you don't have to carry a mountain worth of paperback. I know back in the right. old days, when I first started going to SHOT Show, I would leave there with you know 20 pounds of paper and uh, it was a pain in the neck to pack my suitcase to go home the night you know before I left there. Um, now, gun websites out there, a uh, couple of questions. We'll hit on these real quick. Uh, he says, uh, with the new facility, is there any additional parking, any new parking for the new facility? So has any of that opened up that you know of? You know, I'm not, I'm not aware of that. Um, I'm sure our folks that, that deal with this every day would know for sure, mm-hmm. but that's not something that I've actually uh, been involved in. So I don't, right. I don't know the answer to that one. Right. Uh, understandable. Uh, and he follows up here. He says, there's gonna, going, is there going to be a second entrance for the uh, new exhibition area? So do you have to go through the walkway or will there be alternate entrances to that venue? At this moment in time, it's my understanding that they're going to be the main entrance to the show, and then there's a direct, like a pathway to take you across to the other Caesars. We, we're trying to, you know, obviously there's security concerns. Sure. We've got badge, we have badge control. We've got to make sure that people that are supposed to be in the show are there. So we're trying to be very careful with, with entrance, entrances to the show. Uh, at this moment, I believe the main entrance is going to service the entire facility. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, that things are still in flux, as you could, you could imagine, with this sure. new forum and People are going to be moving in and, and into the new the new space. So we we listen to our customers, right? We have a voice of the customer program, and we pay attention to what our customers, which mainly in this case would be the exhibitors, are saying and what they would like to see. So if it doesn't happen this year, it could happen next year. It could happen mid-show. But we're trying to accommodate everything and, and be as safe and secure and as controlled an environment as we possibly can have. Right. And I didn't think about that logistically with the passes and your badges and stuff like that. But that makes a lot of sense because even uh, even just in SANS, you know, you have uh, event personnel at every single entrance to the, the showrooms. So to have to extend that to a completely different venue and um, exactly. logistically, that could be that could be difficult. Obviously, it would cost more. I'm assuming you guys have to pay for that security and event mm-hmm. staff, correct? You have no idea. It is extremely expensive, but it's, but you have to do it. I mean, it's, it's a cost of doing business and, but it, yes, it, it is, there's nothing that comes with the show that is inexpensive for us or anybody, frankly, but it's a big, it's a big deal. It's a big event. It's something that we think is a celebration of our industry. And we're very, very excited to be, to be a big part of putting on something that can actually celebrate what we do as an industry. Mm-hmm. 
Um, now you, you spoke about obviously the, the size of the event. Um, what other changes, you know, uh, are in stores or anything that we haven't hit on for 2022? Well, one of the things that I'm really excited about is we've made some changes to our shot university offerings, which is the educational portion of the event starting on Tuesday and running right through to Friday, even after the show itself is closed, we've got educational programs, which deal with, for example, how a retailer might, uh, you know, enhance the bottom line to how they use social media, to OSHA requirements, to ATF compliance requirements. We also have a, 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 chart or a, uh, a curriculum on exporters. So if you export uh, goods for regarding firearms, there are experts that are going to be coming in and teaching three different classes on how to export properly, how to fill out the forms properly, uh, and so on. We even have a law enforcement education program now where we talk about uh, there's seven different modules, everything from how to be a law enforcement sniper to how to deal with ranges, you know, law enforcement ranges. And so it's a, it's a big... Um, improvement, I think, an upgrade over what we what we have done over the years. And again, it's an evolution. But I'm really excited about it because I think part of as a trade association, one of the best things we can do is to help our members be successful. And how do you do that through education and training and compliance and paying attention to details. And we're we're providing the tools that our members can use and our attendees can use to actually learn from the experts in the field on these various topics. And by the way, we have ATF and the NICS folks coming in to do a round table. Uh, oh, we've got governors, nice. we've got all sorts of, uh, of po- folks coming in to, to meet and greet uh, the attendees and the exhibitors. So it's, it's going to be really, really cool, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so knew this was going to come up. We've got a couple here from Will and Weld Armed. Uh, it says, questions, are masks required? And then uh, TJ out here uh, says, what are the preparations uh, as far as COVID protocols and enforcement? So uh, I know that's the topic of the day, Joe. So uh, hit For on sure. that, if you would, real quick on um, you know what you guys are required to do by the city or what right. you have chosen to do, that sort of thing. I know you hit on the social distancing and widening the mm-hmm. aisles and that sort of stuff, but what other things are in play? So it's a great question. It's a very important issue right now. What we've done is we have literally been in meetings Uh, in Carson City, Nevada, as well as in Clark County, Nevada, with regard to the protocols that may be in place come January. Uh, At this moment in time, NSSF, the SHOT Show itself, are not having any requirements additional to what the city of Las Vegas is going to have in place. At this moment, we're hearing, this is is what we're hearing from the folks, that the mask mandate could well be lifted uh, well before January. But again, everything is still in flux. At this moment, we are not requiring proof of vaccination, for example. We will require masks only to the extent that it's required by the venue where, where, where we're at. You know, so if the gaming commission, which controls the, the space where we're, where we're set up, if they require masks because that's the mandate from, from Clark County or Carson City, then that was what we'll have to do. Um, if they don't, well, then great. But again, we, we are not independently requiring anything outside of what the venue is requiring of us right if that makes sense i think it no it makes total sense i mean yeah yeah exactly um so i want to go up scroll up here and uh you know as we kind of close out i guess the uh uh, talk about shot show because i do want to get into the nssf i think that talking about the organization is is super important uh and to close us from out uh Gun websites out there has got a it's got a great question for a closeout. He says, "What does Shot Show look like in five years, uh, and is there any type of ten year plan?" So, uh, what's your your plans for the future? What are you guys looking at for for Shot Show, and how do you think it's going to roll out as technology in, improves or venues or what have you? So that's that's an excellent question and something that we actually are working on uh, at, even as we speak. And and the point is this: I mentioned earlier that we. We rely very heavily on the voice of the customer when we have a SHOT Show or any one of our events. Um, So every year, the last day of SHOT Show, the executive team, myself included, uh, all my vice presidents, we divide up the entire show floor and we go out and we actually talk to our exhibitors. You know, what could we do better? What did you like? How could we make your experience better here at, at the SHOT Show? And sometimes it's something as mundane as well yeah the air conditioning vent is blowing down in my booth and it's blowing my papers around or, or something as, as as significant as you know when i moved in there was an issue with the freight hauler or something so 
So we listen to them, we pay attention. And we're doing the same thing even now with regard to the five and 10 year outlook. Uh, we know that the world is moving into a more virtual space, which is fine for a lot of things. But when you go to a firearm as a product, let's say, you can see a firearm, a picture of a firearm, but I don't know what the grip angle is. I don't know what it feels like when I mount it. I don't know what the balance point is of that shotgun. So there are certain things that are that just lend themselves to a live hands-on event. So I think that part will remain the same. Uh, certainly there's going to be some additions and changes just based on the, the environment, the world that we're living in now. Um, but we are looking at what's it gonna look like in five or 10 years? You know, I, I can't say it, I don't wanna speculate at the moment, but we are listening to our customers and we are gonna evolve along with their, with their kind of vision and their demands of what the show ought to be. That's a, uh, yeah, that's a very in-depth answer. So it almost sounds like you were prepared for that. I, th I think I, you but... <laughs> I think you coordinated with G-Webs for that question. Um, so he had another one here before we leave SHOT Show because, uh, let me see if I can find it. Ah, here it is. And I, I had a, a similar thought going on that Gun Website says, uh, with more square feet and more exhibitors, are there more media invited? So, I want you to hit on that, Joe, if you would, but I am curious with social media and just, you know, I've seen as a creator, I've seen more and more people start YouTube channels and do other things. Um, what is the media situation in general to, to kind of compound on uh, gun websites question? What is the media situation in general? How has that morphed and evolved with SHOT Show? Well, certainly you're seeing more online presence, more streaming presence. We have Media Row where we have radio uh, folks from all over the world, literally, and we have television studios set up and we have shot TV. Uh, and so it's a very important part of what the show is. It's a very important part. Being able to have exhibitors, large and small, especially, and, in frank, and frankly, maybe the small guys is even more impactful, to be able to give them a forum where they can showcase their new products to the world, because that's what exactly what they're doing. We've got people from 75 countries coming to SHOT Show. So you really are, you know, you really are exhibiting to the entire world. And we have seen the media evolve, the types of media, the, the non-traditional folks maybe are aging out, but we're getting a lot more younger people that are involved with the online presence. And I think it's great. By the same token, the, the flip side is we are careful because there is an awful large segment of, segment of the media that would love nothing more than to check out the SHOT Show and to perhaps create some, uh, dis, you know, dissatisfaction or some controversy or some anti-gun right. diatribe. Uh, and we have to, so we, we vet very carefully who comes to the show and who does not come to the show. Mm -hmm. uh, and I know it sounds, you know, it sounds a little bit paranoid, if you will, but we've seen it. It's happened in the past. Right. And so we are very, you know, again, this show is a business to business show. It's for our members. Okay. It's, it's to benefit them. And we want to make it as you know, I don't want to use the term safe space, but it, it has to be somewhat guarded to prevent sure. controversy from creeping into what ordinarily is a tremendous uh, successful celebration of what we all do and what we're very proud of doing. Right. Right. So. So, yeah, I mean, well, we're, we're looking and vetting all the time, every day. In fact, the media credentials. Yeah, I see it as the, you know, the show is about the industry, about the promotion of the entities within the industry. So to have outside influence, anybody come in that starts trying to make a political statement or uh, virtue signal or something like that, right? It's, it's really not the place for that. Yeah, and I've seen in the past where there have been protests outside of SHOT shows. I mean, these are things that really happen. So, so we're very careful to, to make sure we have a secure environment for our guests, for our attendees, for our exhibitors, for the media, for everybody. So we're, we're you know, we, we try to be very careful in terms of, you know, carefully vetting who comes to the show. Now, is there, and I don't know if this is even a question that you can answer, but uh, every year does the NSSF, do they have some sort of cap when it comes to media personnel? Like you guys are thinking, okay, we've got this many vendors, this many potential, or this many exhibitors, this many potential um, attendees, and we don't want any more than a certain percent to be media. Is there any kind of conversation that goes on about that? Not really. I mean, typically the 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 endemic media, the the industry folks, um, the outdoor writers, and so forth. We know who they are. They know who we are. Um, 
there's we, you, we can generally get a feel pretty early on as to how many media folks were going to be there. Now, obviously, media is important to what we do here. So we don't want to discourage people. But again, we have to make sure it's the right the right folks for the right reasons. So um, and, and again, for those of you that, that that your audience that don't know, you know, the SHOT Show for us is a 12 month out of the year event. I mean, yes, it happens four days in January, but we start working on the 20. We'll start working on the 23 SHOT Show during the 22 SHOT Show, and that'll be 365 days mm-hmm. um, before the next. So it's, a, it's an ongoing, constant department within NSSF that is right. constantly tweaking, improving, checking, measuring. Uh, evaluating all of the results, responses, the surveys, the, our walk around on Friday afternoon, all that goes into a, into a hopper. Then we have meetings throughout the year to improve uh, the environment and the, and the event itself. Now, that's a pretty good segue into the NSSF. So on the, the backside of the hour here, let's, let's jump into that a little bit. Uh, we talked earlier when you were introducing yourself about the various moving parts and pieces that is the NSSF, SHOT Show obviously being one. Uh, for those that are joining us live out there, uh, there's a poll up. Uh, what do you think the NSSF is best known for? Uh, the gap is closed. Shot Show uh, still leading with 52% now. Firearm industry support at 39. Second Amendment has 9% now. Uh, and then uh, nothing uh, as far as other yet. But if you do vote other in that poll, make sure you leave a comment and, uh, and explain that answer. So uh, I want you to take a few minutes here because uh, as that poll would suggest, Shot Show obviously the most popular. That's why I wanted to cover it Uh right up front industry support is another sort of no-brainer uh what are some of the lesser aspects of nssf and what that organization does uh that folks may not know about well i mean they probably know or they they probably should know that of course we're a trade association so our we we try to make sure that our industry uh the jobs right the people that work in our industry have jobs right they're protected by us and what we do is we have an office on capitol hill and we work and meet with legislators routinely to prevent bad legislation from being introduced and also to stop, um, I mean, and to promote good legislation for, for, to, to be introduced. So we, we, we actively play defense and offense on Capitol Hill uh, every day of the year. We have a presence in all 50 states. We have state affairs folks that work with the legislators all around the country, again, to get good legislation introduced and to prevent bad legislation from moving out of committee or to the governor's desk. Uh, that's a very important part of what we do, and it protects the industry. And I'll, another thing that many people may not be aware of, but if you visited a gun shop or a shooting range in the last year, while a lot of businesses were closed because of COVID, it was the NSSF that basically got the industry deemed essential business and by the federal government. And what that did was it carried over to most of the states, followed the federal guidelines for what is an essential business and allowed ranges and retail shops to remain open throughout the pandemic. That's a big deal. I mean, that changed the trajectory of those eight and a half million first time gun buyers in 2020 would not have been able to buy a gun if their if their gun shop was closed because the government said, well, it's not essential, shut it down. Uh, we were able to do that uh, single, basically single-handedly or nearly single-handedly uh, with the Fed, at the federal level and then worked with our friends at, at the states to do the same. So that's a big deal. We have education. We have a YouTube channel which provides we call pull-the-trigger videos on training and techniques, uh, range etiquette. We've got Project Child Safe. We've got suicide prevention. Uh, we've got a partnership with the Veterans Administration and the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to educate retailers and ranges on how to prevent suicides at their facilities. It's a very important thing. Um, we have a new parent's guide to preventing um, to youth mental health and preventing youth suicide. Uh, these are things that are public facing. They're free of charge. They're all on our websites, uh, nssf.org, um, projectchildsafe.org. I urge everyone to go and make use of these things because they're free, they're out there, and some of our videos are award-winning. They're really outstanding things uh, that people can make use of right away. So those are things that I'm really proud of. Um, marketing communication, you know, we've got it. We, we punch well above our weights, as they say, in regards <laughs> right. to what we're able to bring to the table for the industry, as well as consumers. Right. Uh, and, uh, 
showing some love out there. Ghost Tactical says NSSF does so much that most people don't realize. Thank you for all you do. Uh, and then uh, we've got uh, the TN pickers out there says I came to say the same. So uh, <laughs> I appreciate showing, that. Showing some love for the NSSF. Uh, now, also for those that, uh, especially for those like myself that reload, they know what Sammy is. Mm-hmm. Um, how is Sammy related? I, I heard that it was somehow that was part of NSSF or y'all had some involvement in that. Can you explain Believe it more or not, about that? I, I sure can. Believe it or not, Sammy was started in 1926. Sammy created NSSF in 1961 to be a more or less a public relations arm of Sammy. And now, again, for those that may not be aware, Sammy is the Sporting Arms and Ammunition Manufacturers Institute. It is the technical standard setting arm of the industry. So uh, a company wants to create a new cartridge or a new chamber. Uh, they would work with Sammy to create the technical drawings, the pressures, the velocities, the load data, all of that stuff runs through Sammy. And they set, and then Sammy creates the standard, which becomes an American national uh, standard. Uh, and we are, you know, around the world renowned for what we do uh, on behalf of the technical side. And this started, Congress actually asked Sammy to be created after World War I, because you have uh, a, a Remington 30-06 round would not fit into a Springfield Armory 30-06 chamber. And so they had all these issues. So they, they had to standardize so that interchangeability, safety, um, sure. drop drop testing, uh, pattern testing, accuracy testing is all part of the SAMI umbrella. So I am also the president and CEO of SAMI. Oh wow! But we but we have we have a share we share a space, but they're actually a separate company from NSSF. Okay, separate corporation. Wow. Well, that's interesting how the NSF came. You think it'd be the other way around, but the Absolutely. NSSF came from SAMI, so that's kind of cool. Um, you know, talking about, uh, got a question out there, uh, multiple part looks like from, uh, from pickers. If I can break it down here, he says, question he says, do you think a major recession is coming for the industry? Once the market uprights, uh, in regards to the panic buying. So, uh, yeah, we're under a, a, a lot of stress supply chain. We hear a lot of supply chain issues and a lot of other things. Uh, the NSF self being tied, you know, working so closely with the industry. Uh, what's that environment looked like for companies from, from your perspective anyway, over the last year or two. And what do you see moving forward? Uh, the effects of that. If I anything? think that's a, it's a great question. I think, I think what we're going to see is the new norm. I mean, the, the market always normalizes. I've been in the industry for over 35 years and there's always this rise and fall, you know, these, these ebbs and flows of sale. But the last 10 to 12 years have really been remarkable and, and, and almost and unprecedented. If you look back many other, you know, years prior to this, where it's been a, a, a steady increase in the um, participation in hunting and the shooting sports surely buying guns and ammo have been on the increase now taking 2020 and 2021 out of the equation the new normal is still pretty high now if you add those into the equation the new normal is extraordinarily high and i think if you look at and factor in the eight to ten million first time gun buyers that's going to increase the demand for ammunition going out many years yes the pipeline eventually will be filled but we think it's going to rise to the level where the new normal will be higher than the average has been in previous years. So it always ebbs and flows. But I think, again, we're going to end up higher as a result of people in, in you know, introducing themselves or discovering the shooting sports, whether it be for self-defense, for hunting or for target shooting. But you see what happened politically, um, what's happening in the world it has driven a lot of people to, to look at self-defense as a very important part of their own personal plan. Mm-hmm. And we see gun buying and the polls we've taken indicate that some 80% or so indicate the reason they bought a gun in the first place was for self-defense or home defense. That's going to create training needs. It's going to create ammunition needs. And it certainly has created the need for firearms. So I think that's going to continue for the foreseeable future. I would say at least the next three to four years, I think you'll see a little mitigation if the House and Senate flip in twenty. 22 a little bit but when you have a a democrat administration in the white house 
there's always uh, there's always has been traditionally a an increase in the people buying firearms and ammunition. Right. Well, and I, I think there's a few factors beyond that. I think when you start getting uh, brazen anti-gun statements being made, that of course affects things as well. Uh, and then something that a lot of people discount is nothing gets any cheaper. It's called inflation, right? And so well, yeah. as, as a, you know, as a drought, as far as the supply of ammunition, firearms, as other things go, and that time wanes on, um, inflation is a real thing. And over the course of a couple of years, prices on everything go up, right? So it's not a direct result necessarily of the panic buying or the industry or the, even the market. It's just a result that the dollar is worth less money, unfortunately, by the time we come out of that, uh, that particular situation, that drought. Yeah, that surely that surely is another factor. Yes, that um, is will have a play. Will have an if, impact on on this in some way, shape, or form. Right. Um, now, I want to you 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 dove you dived off a little bit into uh, in the the government aspect. I was going to run up here because uh, gun websites did have a uh, have a question here. Uh, he says, uh, future question, he said, with the NRA being attacked from all angles, and, and it always has been, I think, uh, says, how uh, is the NSF, NSSF preparing? Uh, any perspective on the NRA situation uh, from the NSSF? So uh, I'm curious, the NSSF and any relationships you guys have had unofficially or, or officially uh, with the NRA in regards of, of training or anything else, of course. Uh, and then, yeah, the anti-gun element. Have you seen that grow over the years or has it gotten less? What's that environment look like when we're talking about your organization? With regard to, to we'll take the NRA part first. Obviously, mm -hmm. we all of us have a vested interest in the NRA being strong uh, and being proactive in a lot of in, in the areas where, you know, protecting the Second Amendment and the consumer's right to, to buy and to keep and bear arms. Um, I will say, though, the NRA, yes, it's being politicized. It's, it's, it makes for good fodder on, you know, the Washington Post or the Wall Street Journal. But the NRA is the people. The NRA is the members. You know, I am proud to be a benefactor life member of the NRA. I don't consider what's happening with some you know, allegations to affect what I do and the way I see the NRA. Um, I, I, it's, a, it's about the people. The people vote. The NRA, the people at the NRA, the employees of the NRA are one small element, but the five million other members, they vote. They vote their sport. They vote their Second Amendment. So right. the, people that underestimate the NRA are, are making a big mistake. And, and, I'm, and actually, let, let them do it. Let them make the yeah. mistake because I think they're, they see at the polls, look at Virginia, that there's still a strong, a strong presence with pro-gun uh, voters. And I think a lot of that, either they are NRA members or they identify with NRA. Now, as far as the NSF is concerned, we are starting to see groups like uh, the Giffords Group actually fundraise by pointing to NSSF as saying, wow. well, NSSF defeated Chipman. Therefore, we have to defeat NSSF. So I guess we made the, we made the, um, we made the big time, I suppose, if you want to look at it that way. Uh, yeah, we were actively involved in defeating a, a partisan, you know, political appointee trying to take over a, a government uh, agency, a federal agency. That was unacceptable to us. So we pushed real hard on that, as did many of our friends, including NRA. But apparently we're now in the crosshairs of the Giffords Group, and that's fine. They can fundraise if they want. But, you know, we're doing the right thing. We're going to work hard on behalf of our industry, on behalf. And now we're not directly a consumer organization per se. But everything that a consumer touches flows back to the manufacturers and the industry that we support. So we are, in a way, um, not like the NRA in a way, but but also behind the scenes doing a lot of work to support hunters and shooters all over the world. And, yeah, and I think that goes to what you said, what you talked about with the NRA, about, you know, the people. Um, you know, you've got one yahoo or two yahoos in the organization that are you know maybe doing stuff that that doesn't look good optics wise or whatever um and people lose sight of real quick humans humans love something to demonize i think that's just i think that's a natural thing right uh be it a person or a movement or whatever it might be um and they lose sight, I think, a lot of times of the grassroots, right, of all the instructors, the trainers, the members, the ranges, the 
the infrastructure that has been built over the what 150 plus years of the the NRA, right? Um, the NRA is interwoven into society in so many different ways and in different facets. I would eventually like to see the NSSF uh, have that type of popularity. I don't know that you're willing to have that type of target on your back, though. <laughs> well, we're going to do the right thing. You know, we don't have to. We look. We say like this: we win quietly. People mm-hmm. don't right. need to to know who we are necessarily. They need to see the results. As I said, if you were able to shop in a gun store in 2020, you know that's in our that's NSSF. You know that that's you know the fact that that David Chipman is not is not leading ATF. That's a big deal and a big in large part due to NSF's efforts with our partners around the country. Uh, but that's a big that's a big deal for consumers and industry members alike. And sure. to your point about you know it's easy to tear things down. It's easy to criticize. It's hard to build something. Right. And I think so many people become critical because they're maybe frustrated they can't build something. We're trying to build something great here. And I'm real proud of what our people do every single day on behalf of the industry and the consumers that that industry supports. And, uh, you know, I know I know there are rumor mongers and there are people that are being critical. And I, I get all that. But, you know, it's it's easy to criticize. It's hard to build. We're in the process of building. We're in the business of building. And we're going to keep keep doing that on behalf of the industry and the people that we serve. Right. Uh, now, Gun Web's out, out there. He's the one that kind of started that conversation. He says, reason I ask, he says, is people seem to assume NSSF can slash would just absorb all the roles of the NRA, uh, provided uh, if, if the NRA was removed or, or fell apart. Uh, and, and that's a big conversation is, you know, if something happens to the NRA, who who can absorb that? Uh, can the NSF, does, does it currently have the capacity to do something like that? And or do you see any organization in its current state right now that could step into the role of something like an NRA? Well, a couple of practical things to point out there. I mean, look, we're doing what we can to protect the industry. To you know, our, our duty is to promote, protect, and preserve hunting and the shooting sports. Of course, the NRA is really a pro-Second Amendment. They focus very much on the Second Amendment issues, whereas we tend to be more that tends to be more tangential to our overall mission. But let's be fa- let's be honest. The NRA's budget every year is at least ten times what ours is. Uh, their staff is close to ten times what ours is. Uh, we have a particular mission and our board of governors uh, has us focused on that mission to, to you know, for the industry uh, and the things that we have to bring to the table on behalf of that industry. If they ask us to change our focus and be more consumer driven, of course, we will do that. But it, it's going to come with a price tag and an increase in headcount and, and budget. And I, that's just a real practical way to put it. But I, but I will tell you, again, those that are are planning on the demise of NRA are, are way premature. I think the NRA is going to be, it's going to outlive all of us. Uh, I'm very, I'm very confident in saying that because again, it's about the people and these allegations, notwithstanding the rank and file NRA members. And even those that are not necessarily members, but that identify as NRA members or with the NRA, they're a powerful, powerful group and they're not going to go away and they're not going to go away quietly. And all the attorney generals in the country, I think would not, could not, uh, undermine the NRA if the people stay true to what they believe in. All right. If the individual members stay true to their mission right. and, and support the second amendment and vote their sport, the NRA is going to be just fine. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, got a lot of, a uh, lot of love out there. A lot of good answers you're giving Joe. They're liking it. So, uh, good website says, wow, great answers. Thank you. So, uh, I want to echo that, uh, as we kind of wind things down here, uh, getting pretty close to the top of this hour. Um, and just want to say, uh, yeah, people are looking for the uh, the things that NSF offers as far as I know you guys do uh, National Shooting Sports Month in yep. August. Uh, that means you're obviously tied into that. You've got the YouTube channel. Uh, plus one, the plus one movement, which is right. a really important program. I, I failed to mention is uh, that's our mentoring program. And we talk about hunting and shooting uh, and, and we're seeing a lot of activity right now. But. If, in order for it to, to succeed and to, and to perpetuate, you need mentors. So our plus one move says, look, for every hunter or shooter out there, take one new person to the range or to the field. Get them involved in hunting or the shooting sports or both. Uh, and that will right. perpetuate our sport for, for decades and generations to come. So that's a real important part of what we're doing. It's a, it's a good chunk of our budget and getting the word out on 
you know, mentoring and, and, and increasing our participation for the future. And uh, it, again, I'm, I'm real psyched about that because it's, it's shown tremendous growth in just the last few years. We've got over 2 million pledges uh, for people going and taking new first time people to the range or to the field. And that's very exciting for us. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and yeah, I want you to, I want you to hit on, what is it? Project child safe project child safe. Yep. Um, hit on that. If you would, uh, got a question out there dealing with, uh, the, the next generation and the youth. And so that'll play right into this next question, I think, but, uh, give us a little insight on that program. I don't think we've hit on that yet. Right. Uh, Project Child Safe has been 21 years now in existence. Uh, it is a educational program that provides free uh, safety literature and a gun lock uh, through uh, typically a law enforcement or other community partners like church groups. Uh, the PT. We just did an event uh, where the Albuquerque PTA was involved, uh, and we did a we did a press conference out in out in New Mexico last week. Uh, so groups all around the country and also uh, so all 50 states and the five U.S. territories have had Project Child Safe events. And we've distributed now more than 40 million safety kits, which include a gun lock, again, in all 50 states and five U.S. territories. Uh, ProjectChildSafe.org is where, is where we're at online. And we've got videos. We've got checklists. We've got uh, safety quizzes for people to take. And, and actually, we've got talking points, how to, how to talk about gun safety with your children. I mean, it's really impactful stuff. It really is making a difference. And in the last 20 years, we've seen child safe in, in, in effect. We see the number of fatal accidents decreasing with firearms. So there's definitely a correlation there, if not a direct causation. But it certainly is something that we are we budget for. We put our effort and time. Um, and it's real important for us and our entire industry to, 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 to be safe when we store our firearms are not being used. Sure. And do you know if there do you know if there are any other organizations that do that as far as they're providing locks and stuff like that to the law enforcement agencies, or is it primarily you guys? Are you guys the big dog on that? There are other organizations. For example, we're working with the Veterans Administration. They have a lock program through their VA network. Of course, now of course the manufacturers, all the gun makers, are now putting in locks. And we right. estimate since since the beginning of our child safe program and the, the companies putting locks in gun boxes. Um, there's been over 100 million free locks distributed. And if, if you'll allow me just a moment, um, some of your Absolutely. audience may or may not know, I, I spent 32 years working at Mossberg. Um, and Alan Mossberg, who um, was the, the, really the, the, the founding force behind the gun lock program back in 1988, started putting gun locks in boxes. Uh, Alan passed away, sadly, very recently. And uh, I just want the industry to know that they lost a great man and a great leader and someone that I looked up for and worked for for 32 years, uh, looked up to for 32 years. And so I just want to give a shout out to the Mossberg family and the Mossberg Corporation. Um, certainly a pillar of our community, uh, a great organization led by great people and um, a big loss for all of us. Yeah, no, I would agree. I was not aware of that. So thank you for uh, thank you for bringing that up. And I, and I would agree it's a loss. I uh, have been a lifelong fan of Mossberg, own many. Uh, and as a creator, enjoy working with the company. On, on various things. Uh, great people for sure. Uh, so I want to hit on uh, roll call. The reason I, I brought up child safe and the youth thing there. Uh, he says, how does the NSSF help in getting the younger generations involved in gun rights and or the continued efforts of enjoying firearms? So obviously you got project child safe. Is there anything for maybe the youth that are already involved in uh, shooting sports and that sort of thing? Yeah, we have we have let's go hunting and let's go shooting.org. Let's go let's go hunting.org, let's go shooting.org, two separate websites, which has tremendous amount of, of reference materials for new shooters, young shooters, uh, first-time hunters, uh, people just getting involved in the hunting sport. Uh, so there's all of that available free on our websites. Uh, of course, when we talk young, uh, we, we we talk about the mentor program. So, you know, you know, taking your child, your grand grandchildren out to the range uh, in the plus one context is very, very important to kind of cultivating the next generation of hunters and shooters. Um, the gun vote program, which is an education program to educate voters, especially maybe first time voters, right? The 18, 19, 20 year olds that are buying their first gun that are now eligible to vote. We want to make sure that they have the resource, the information on, for example, how to fill out an absentee ballot or where to vote or what are the candidates saying about 
the Second Amendment and gun rights. Very, very important part of what we do and, and among the most widely visited of our of our website and social media properties. So, um, yeah, I want to me in the poll here. Uh, want to hit on that as soon as I can get it up. Here we go. Final results of the poll. Uh, what do you think the NSS is best known for? Uh, and we end up with 53 percent uh, shot show. Firearm industry support comes in at 36 uh, percent. Second Amendment at 10 percent. So gained a little ground there. Uh, and then nobody has has commented on other with that. So uh, I don't I don't disagree with that poll. I think that's a, a pretty fair assessment of what most people think the NSSF is about. Uh, you think that's pretty fair, Joe? I do. I think it's fair. Uh, and actually, I'm actually very happy to see that the the association with SHOT Show is as high as it is, because I remember as a board member of NSF some years ago, uh, that number would have probably been down 20 or 30 percent uh, 10, 15 years ago. So it's good to see that they're, they're making the connection between NSSF and the SHOT Show. It's a, it, Of course, it's a very important part of our overall portfolio of, of, of businesses that the NSF is involved in. Um, and, uh, so I'm, I'm actually very gratified to see that people associate that with us now. Mm -hmm. Now you were talking, I, I think we were off air, but you were talking about, uh, the number of members that DNSSF have, and I was blown away by the number. Um, what was that, that number again? We've got, we've got over 9,100 members currently. Uh, wow. and that represents, and again, we talk about the jobs that that represents. We've, we've got two or 300,000 jobs that, that, rep, that those members represent. So mm -hmm. and it's a substantial thing that we do here and it affects a lot of people. So we take what we do very seriously and very diligently apply all of these lessons and get the word out every chance we get. We're quiet, we win quietly, but we're doing some very impactful things. And I, and I think people would be very surprised to learn all the things that we're working on. Now, do you have any idea uh, as far as revenue on those 9,100, what that those numbers are? I do. Um, but again, it's something that as a, as a not-for-profit, we talk about being able to balance the books every year to make sure that we put all that money back ah. into our programs. So we don't, well, what I know what I meant, what yeah. I meant was, what I meant was those companies themselves, like the 9,100 companies, so many billions of dollars in revenue for them. Not oh, what they I beg your membership. pardon. I beg your pardon. Yes. Yes. That represents about $9 billion in wow. economic activity. And if you add more, what we call induced revenue, it's actually quite a bit more than that. Wow. So yeah, it's it's multi multi billions of dollars that this industry itself uh, generates directly. And then if you mm -hmm. go indirectly, it's it's a tremendous amount for this economy, the United yeah. States economy. Yeah. Well, there's no doubt. I mean that that you know it's it's a big number, and most people, you know, especially if you're not a fire motor and you're not you know looking at things, you you might not think that, but uh, that can be surprising for a for a new fire motor or you know, somebody that doesn't get out to the gun shows and the gun shops and the other things pretty regularly. Um, yeah, let's uh, let's close this one down, I think, Joe. Um, we talked about uh, the NSSF, that's National Shooting Sports Foundation, for those that uh, uh, don't know. Uh, obviously, the uh, website, nssf.org, and we've got the YouTube channel and... You guys, I'm assuming you're on other social media platforms as well, correct? Yeah, we're on LinkedIn. We have Facebook. We've got Instagram. Uh, and I think you, you already mentioned um, uh, names escape me now. But we're on the, all the major social media platforms. I, right. I'm sorry. It's been, it's, I've been, I've been the, doing a lot of talking here. So you're on, the, you're on the Facebooks and all the other books, is what and you're saying. All the other books. There. Exactly right. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, for, you know, for those that are live, obviously there's no links down below. Uh, but shortly after we get done with this, and obviously for those listening in a replay, I'll have some links down below to the website, the YouTube channel, and I'm stuff like that. One more plug. One more plug. Absolutely. Go ahead. Our, your audience want to check out Gun Owners Care. Gun Owners Care is a, is a little, a little uh, affiliation of ours that we created a few years ago to highlight the good things that the, the members of our industry are doing, whether it be donating blood to the Red Cross, raising money for homeless shelters, uh, participating in a sporting clays event for the Ronald McDonald House charities or something. Gun Owners Care is the forum that we can share with the world all the good things we do in conservation and charity efforts all around the country. So I would make a, a shameless plug to check out gunownerscare.org and, and, uh, and please take a look and follow us on the majors of social media it would be very good for that 
and I will uh, and I will one up that uh, that plug by saying check out the links below uh, once this goes into replay, and I'll get a link down there for everybody as well. Uh, Joe, I know your time is valuable. Thanks for hanging out with us for about an hour here. We certainly appreciate it. Have educated, uh, hopefully educated a lot of people, not just on Shot Show, but the NSSF in general. And uh, appreciate you coming on. Well, the pleasure is mine, Chris. Thank you so much for having us, giving us a chance to talk about all these good things we're doing.